Welcome to Thinking Reimagined. Thinking Reimagined is a unique platform for thoughts provoking intergenerational dialogue in a diverse and inclusive setting with a focus on impactful change in the global workplace and community. Our stakeholders' conversations aim to spark thought, leadership, curiosity, engagement, collaboration, and learning amongst individuals, teams, and beyond. Enjoy, Enjoy this episode. episode and subscribe to Thinking Reimagined on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and other outlets. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Thinking Reimagined. I am Nifemi Okuntoye. Let's talk about the gender gap in the workplace. I used to think there are more women than men in the world. But recently, I found out that's not true. According to data and statistics, there are actually slightly more men than women around the globe. And it is the same thing with Nigeria. If you check all of the census figures, we're told that there are actually more men in Nigeria than women. Could that be responsible for the gender gap in the workplace? Could that also be responsible for why? So apparently, if they're saying there are more men, perhaps women are actually in minority. Another question to ask will be, who is counting these people? And are we sure that we're getting the figures right? We're going to answer all of these questions in a moment. Please stay with us. Dr. Ama is Executive Director Lee Abundantly. Ms. Abimbola Shotimino is Founder, Executive Director of Parties and an Education Consultant. Uh, these two ladies, I don't know if, if I can call them ladies, will be joining me on this episode. It was Fela who said that um, African women don't like to be called women, they like to be called ladies. Ms. Shotimino, do you agree with Fela? I, I, I do, I do. So what's the difference between lady and woman? I mean, ladies and women. Uh, Dr. Amar, I'll leave you to answer this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a very interesting question because when you say woman, then you yeah. sort of attach to me to man. Um, <laughs> I know you're not surprised by that response. Um, but if you choose to respell woman and delete the a and put in a y perhaps i might go with it um oh but we are we are females we're ladies and um i suppose in the world we're going to be referred to as women but women. um gender aside i think uh-huh. that we are the powerful 50 percent absolutely so there's no doubt about that Let's begin with an excerpt of one of Dr. Amma's interview on uh, one of perhaps the biggest uh, media platform in Nigeria. Dr. Amma is one of Nigeria's leading TV analysts, especially when you talk about gender issues and other relevant issues. So let's just call her your perfect public affairs analyst. She was on TV recently uh, talking about the recent development from the United Nations, particularly the UN resolution on women getting equal representation 
in government and public services. Let's be realistic. What the pandemic has done is to show very blatantly the disparity, the inequality, the discriminations, the biases against women in the workforce, whether you're looking at government or the public sector. And it's become even worse because so many women have lost their jobs. But what we need to do is to begin to look at how we address policies. Recently, there was an article in the paper about um, making it possible for there to be a female IG for the Nigerian police. And I was really astounded to find that women who are going through the same training as the male counterparts can't even rise to the highest level of their positions um, within their, their fields. Dr. Ama, I hear you talk about policy making as one way to ensure women attain um, the zenith in their chosen field. But let's talk about Nigeria. You know, the peculiarity of Nigeria isn't that we don't have fine laws. They will tell you that we have great laws. I mean, all it takes is to get majority at the National Assembly. Uh, it, gets to a sec it, it gets a second reading and it is passed into law. It is the implementation that is a challenge. So, yes, we do have laws in Nigeria but there is a disparity in terms of how those laws are applied to women versus men. And I have frequently raised the issue of the equity law, which has not been passed and has gone through several readings and has been defeated. And I will um, propose that part of the reason it continuously gets rejected is because of some of the issues that it focuses on. It focuses on issues of education for all, the right to inherit, the right to access to um, the economic resources. Um, and it also addresses issues of, um, what should I say, uh, child marriage and, and the likes. Um, when you have a government where the representation of women within the government is under 10%, actually, let's be honest, like 6%, depending on if you're looking at the House of Representatives or the Senate, it's very difficult for bills to go through that are related um, to women or issues of women. So when we speak of policy, we have to use agenda lessons to look at policy. Um, and if we're going to look at the workplace, then we have to admit that, yes, they are women in the workforce, or how many of these women attain the highest level of their professions and are permitted to. Um, recently, there was an article that went out about two or three weeks ago that they may uh, part some, the, way the House of Reps was looking into permitting a female IGP to exist in Nigeria. I was absolutely taken back because I didn't realize that there was a limitation, an invisible limitation that I was not aware of, and I don't know if many people were aware of it, that a female um, police officer who had gone through the same training, same education, all of it could not attain that level of office. It is quite troubling because that is not the case anywhere else in the world. And if we are to be on the same platform globally, then we cannot put... Um, invisible limitations on how far a woman can rise within her chosen field. Invisible limitation. Let, let's bring Ms. Otomino in on this. Um, she works and resides in London. 
I love that we break this down, especially when we talk about gender gap in, in the workplace. I recall that until recently, uh, there was this issue about female footballers not earning as much as male footballers, even in America. Um, but the perception is that this gender gap is not limited to Africa or Nigeria. But talk to us about your own experience. Um, when you look at working in London, and I don't know if you've actually worked here in Nigeria, but what experience have you had as regards limitation uh, to the female folk or for the female folk? I, um, I've worked in Nigeria before. And the fascinating thing is that Nigeria is very advanced in so many areas. But um, it's a shame that in terms of gender equality, it's way, way behind. For a country that's so far advanced, it is a crying shame. Um, I say this because even in the UK, we have female ministers, we have female, so, you know, the equivalent of governors and commissioners. Um, it's, I mean, it, it isn't the same at the same level, but they're far more. Okay. And uh, one of the things I did think about um, before coming on this uh, program was how far ahead we are in the UK in comparison to Nigeria in terms of um, closing the, the gender gap. There was um, in um, November last year, there was a bill that was passed in Scotland. Scotland has a first minister who is a woman, Nicola Sturgeon. She's been the first minister since 2014. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not sure if we all understand that even though Scotland is part of the United Kingdom, it's actually a country on its own as well. So they have their own prime minister called uh, a first minister. And um, she passed, this bill was passed in Scotland for, um, it's called the uh, Period Products Bill. It's for sanitary products to be given to every woman for free. That is how far ahead we are let's say in the UK, where this isn't, um, this isn't a barrier. Having, you know, your monthly cycle or anything for a woman isn't a barrier to success. And I believe this was passed easily because the first minister is a woman and she's taking on board all the issues in order to close further the gender gap. So if I bring this back to Nigeria, um, we're talking about we could ask the question, is, is there a possibility of having a Nigerian female president as they have in Tanzania? I don't think so. A female governor in Lagos? I don't know. Or anywhere else? There, there's quite a lot of work to do in Nigeria in this respect. Can I add something to that, please? Um, there was a recent study last year by the World Economic Forum, and they ascertained from their research that it would take 108 years to close the gender gap equality across the board, but it would take 257 years to close the pay gap. I wanted to refer back to the census figures that you mentioned, uh, Nifemi, at the beginning of the program. Exactly. You mentioned, I've always known, by the way, that there are equal numbers of men and women and that it was a societal um, issue. It was a societal um, counting of numbers that informed some Nigerians and some people to believe that there were more women in Nigeria and more women in the world um, to give the excuse that, you know, that is why 
um, they, you know, maybe for polygamy reasons or whatever. I just thought it was absurd. They'd keep saying, oh, in the hospitals, more female babies are born. That's absolute nonsense. As a mother, being in a ward, there were lots of boys being born as well. Uh, absolutely. I was happy, very happy that you, um, um, you mentioned that. What people don't realize is women earn about 16 to 35% less than their male counterparts, but they're doing the same jobs. And and of course they have to have the same skill level. It's even furthermore disturbing when you realize that single women earn more than their female counterpart who have children. And there's research on this in the United States and in the UK, it is a known fact. So my concern in Nigeria is how are we going to close this gender gap and how do we do it if we do not begin to use a gender lens to address the policies that are in place that we cannot see or we're not aware of or we can see um, that limits how far women can go within the workforce. So you have loads of women going into the entry level, but when it comes time to promote there's a preference given to men because well, they're men and their husbands or they have heads of families and all of these things. But the reality is that more women actually head the households than the men. So why don't we change that? And why is it that we're not looking at it meritously? So you should be promoted based on merit, not on gender. And if we're going to achieve parity, even at the government level, then more women need to rise to the occasion and be supported by women and men in terms of becoming governors. Why don't we have female governors? Why is that when we talk about the task force for COVID, then there are men. And the studies have shown this, that many of the countries had men. So how do you address the issues of women if you don't put women on the platform to speak about what I think that you answered the question when you touch on the issue of marriage. So I've heard a lot of people talk about quota system. I think it's working in countries like Rwanda and South Africa where um, there is an impressive increase in the number of women participation in governance. But the way I see it from my uh, point of view, I may be wrong, but I work in an environment where you can hardly tell whether you're a man or a woman. I mean, people look at you from the prism of uh, the quality of job done. I am thinking that, is there a possibility, and I'm talking to uh, Ms. Shotomino now very quickly, is there a possibility that the gender imbalance that was suffering in this part of the world is the function of the fact that we do not have enough qualified women, you know, um, doing the job for instance if you're in a workplace and there are more qualified women do they not stand do they not stand more chance to you know occupy the highest position in such organization uh, there, there are three aspects i think to the answer to this uh, question the first one is going back to the quota I'm not for the quota system simply because I believe it's limiting. What if there are more women qualified for that workspace? Would you limit then limit the number of women allowed in that workspace because you filled up the quota? One. 
Secondly, um, you asked about um, is it a function of the lack of the educational levels of the women? Um, is that a reason why they're not getting the top jobs? Absolutely not. I think in some cases, um, there are many women who prefer to be led by men, unfortunately. And there are many men who will not like to be led by women. This is for various reasons. And I think a lot of grassroots work, advocacy work, a lot of what Live Abundantly is doing, a lot of what they're doing is trying to advocate for women to understand that you have a right to this workspace. You have a right, the, you know, the uh, campaign we've just concluded on with the girls uh, surveying, studying surveying is an example. I, I believe that a lot of work has to be done at the grassroots level because a lot of women are actually qualified for these jobs and they feel that they cannot get, they will not get the accolades they deserve. So they don't go and apply, they don't go for the gold. They don't apply for these positions. And in our society in Nigeria, it is possible um, that they probably believe they're more respected maybe as a married woman than as an, as a, an executive director, for example. Um, you know, I think it's a function of society, I'm not sure. But I think all over the world, the situation is clear. There are very many qualified women who deserve to be uh, awarded these um, jobs and the right pay. And it's, it's a work in progress. I mean, if we look back at the history of how women came to be educated, even in the West, you know, in, in the UK, uh, women were not educated um, at the same time. It was only boys that were educated initially. Women were homemakers. Things quickly, rapidly caught up, you know, with the right, the, suff the, the suffrage, the rights to vote. But there's still work to be done. There's still a lot of work to be done all over the world. This is the Thinking Reimagined podcast, sponsored by Allied Empowerment. Allied Empowerment Consultancy offers leadership and innovation through bespoke human development solutions, brain-based leadership and coaching. Allied Empowerment empowers business leaders, teams and individuals to intentionally accentuate desired outcomes built on trust, curiosity, psychological safety, engagement and communication. Allied Empowerment, thriving in a sustainable and valued manner. Absolutely. Um, I like to think that it's getting better. It was Women's Day recently at my place of work, and I was so excited. I mean, the way, the way and manner um, the women folk uh, were celebrated. Um, you know, some of us guys jokingly were saying that I think it will get to a point where it will be about, you know, men will start protesting for gender equality. <laughs> because um, there seems to be some sort of an improvement from where we're coming from, even though there is still a lot of um, uh, um, uh, space to cover. But let's quickly uh, talk about uh, the intent or what should drive uh, all of these things that we're talking about. Who should drive it? Who has the responsibility? Who are the stakeholders? Um, on whose shoulders this responsibility lie, Dr. Amar? I want to start by just reminding all of us that for 200 years, over 200 years, women have been um, taken on, uh, have taken on the mantle for um, equality. 
and it has not been achieved. With that in mind, it becomes the responsibility of everyone to make sure that this is done in less than the 180 years that is predicted. That means that every parent, every citizen needs to recognize that we are all equal. We are all equal and we have the same human rights, the right to go to school, the right to have a job, the right to have skills, the right to be protected. There's a lot of violence that's going on around us and that affects women more than it affects men. When we think about this COVID situation, 70% of the frontliners are women, but there's an increase in violence of 30% globally. So we have to think about how else can we educate? How else can we create awareness within the grassroots? How else can we ensure that girls become women who have equal opportunities and they do not get married off? So that becomes another issue because, of course, many girls can't get through secondary school. But before you know it, they're married. And that's the end of their possibility of having a career. And yet they're brilliant young ladies. So all of that has to be put in perspective throughout this journey. And we have to um, take a stand as a, as, a, as a global society to promote women and to make sure that there's a recognition that whatever barriers have been put in place are removed. Indeed. Dr. Amma, Ms. Shotomino, you've been fantastic thus far. We're going to take a short break now. When we return, we'll be turning our attention to female professionals in male-dominated profession. And I'll be talking to you about the very first female surveyor general in Nigeria. Stay with us. Don't go away. You have been listening to Thinking Reimagined. Changing the mindset for a better global society. Thank you for staying tuned. This is Thinking Reimagined and we're talking about female professionals in male-dominated profession. Dr. Ama and Ms. Shotimino, thank you for staying the course in this conversation. The name, Mrs. Olayinka Omolabake Adekoya rings a bell. First and only female Soviet general of Nigeria. Uh, in close to 30 years, there hasn't been another female to occupy that position. And I'm shocked that in preparation for this podcast, I can't even find our name on the official website of that organization. Dama, you want to quickly respond to that or react to that rather? Well, I think we're all very surprised that her name, her, her legacy has been obliterated um, completely from the records. Um, it is a shame. And um, we hope that it will get rectified in due course because she worked well, worked hard, and did everything to attain that level of professionalism and that um, designation. And it could not have been easy 30 years ago for her to um, accomplish it. So to have it removed and have a list that literally has all males is very sad. And this is one of the things that we talk about is when women work hard, 
and they achieve that level, why is it that you cannot see their names? Why is it that they're not being recognized? Why is it that we're not encouraging more girls, more women to take on that um, mantle? And it goes back to what you just said previously, male dominated or professions. Yeah, why is it more male dominated? They're brilliant women, not just in Nigeria, but throughout the world who can do this. So we need to just look at it as just professions. They're just careers and they're not designated as male or female. Um, just the, the jobs or the careers that people choose to um, focus on because they have a propensity for it and they can do it well. Absolutely. Ms. Shotiminu, they usually say what a man can do, a woman can do better. I think it's their way of saying there is nothing a man can do that a woman cannot do. But do you totally agree with that? Aren't there some professions or career that, uh, careers that, uh, you know, that favor the masculinity of a man than a woman? Let's say, for instance, um, remember there was this woman I think she's a South African who uh, does this um, marathon race and she wins almost all the time. The controversy about the fact that she has more testosterone than the average lady really shocked the sporting world for a while. Talk to me about what you think as regards this. I um, believe, as you must know by now, that a woman can do what a man can in terms of you know choosing any profession and excelling in that profession um yes we we're all aware that women multi multitask very well but there are also men that can multitask very well we are aware that men are said to be very good logical thinkers but there are also women that are excellent logical thinkers as well at this point you know I don't want to use the word marriage, but a merging of the two minds is what we need, not one above the other. I think um, just as there are many different types of plants, there are many different types of women. So a woman can choose to be a bodybuilder if she chooses to be. She can choose to be anything she wants to be. And this is what we teach. Uh, and we always say we must teach this um, education must come from the cradle. It starts from the cradle, from the time they are born, they should be taught that they are the same. They're able to achieve the same um, dreams and, and go for the same things and um, go for the same careers, I mean. Um, it's important, you know, for, for me to keep, you know, referring back, uh, you know, to what's going on here in the UK because um, you, you've asked me if there's a difference between uh, men and women. Um, in what they can achieve. Just, I think, four days ago, uh, there has now been what is called um, a misogyny law, uh, which is actually called hatred of sex or gender law, which is now, which means that if you hate a particular gender, specifically the female gender, because that's what misogyny is, it will now be recorded as a hate crime. I'm not sure if we're aware of this. And I can't imagine that sort of um, bill being passed in Nigeria. Um, and it's important for such a bill to be passed simply because from birth now, we are, we have, we are now by law made here to teach children that it is wrong to be sexist or mis uh, misogynist. So 
um that's that's where i want to you know that's what i wanted to add now to say that I, i definitely don't think there's a difference and i think children should be taught this right from the cradle i cannot agree with you less that we have a lot of catching up to do when it comes to aligning our laws and policies with this um, development but let me just inform the hearer that there is the woman tank makers a scholarship uh, that now goes to female nigerian students of sofane uh female federal and state polytechnic and university students only uh i believe that um, this scholarship program is in progress we'll be sharing with you details about um the finalists and winners in subsequent episodes of this podcast and it's in honor of the first and only female sovereign general of nigeria this is olayinka omolabake adekoya and we're told that close to 30 years after others yet to have a woman succeed uh, in that position well we must emphasize to you or rather inform you rather that this scholarship is fully uh, offered by the Adekoya family in support of the women change maker campaign uh, sponsored by allied empowerment and parties in association with lead abundantly Earlier on, Dr. Ama, you mentioned uh, you were sharing some statistics with us as regards um, how um, married uh, single women seem to be to gain more employment than married women, and I understand that plight. A married woman, for instance, will, will probably get pregnant, and um, you know that is possibly going to take her away from work for a period of time. Um, the issue of whether or not the man is equal to the woman is one thing we'll discuss subsequently. Uh, there are some who would say it's an issue of um, equity that we should be looking at, uh, not equality as as it were. But talk to us about what needs to be done to help the married woman, or let's say the unmarried woman who gets pregnant on the job. Um, how do we ensure that um, such a person is not uh, discriminated against and that her rights are also protected? Um, thank you for that question, Ifemi. To begin with, um, the ability of a woman to be pregnant is biological. It does not diminish her capacity to work or to uh, be part of a society or part of a team at the office. Um, having said that, LinkedIn recently stated that it is possible for women when they have been absent from work to list that they took time off to take care of their family. This has never been done before, so women would have gaps in their CVs. And, and also the fact that paternity laws are in place now, a man who takes time off to care for um an offspring can also do the same thing this is part of what we mean by having an equitable playing field for both genders where you can take time off to care for an offspring and be able to list that and not have it applied negatively it is going to take a while for that to um come into place and for people to see it as just that but um equity is a key issue but equity is also important when we talk about accessibility to education so making sure that all the girls can go to school making sure that they can get scholarships if necessary um you know we have a student that has come through our program 
who was pulled out of school because the family could not afford to have her in school, but they wanted the boy to be in school. And it took a lot of explaining to the parents that she was equally brilliant um, and she had the right to go to school. And she has done fabulously well on her exams and will be attending University of Lagos. Uh, but that would not have been possible if we had not intervened because the family felt that the money should be focused on the boy. So equity is important in terms of job training, making sure that women have the same access to training. Very often in companies, they will select a male because they feel, well, that male even if he does get married, well, he's not going to leave the job to go and take care of children or be pregnant. And that would diminish the contribution to the workforce. And we also know that when it comes to networking, men network in a very different way from men, from women. And very often women have to leave the jobs because they have other responsibilities in, in the home front that they have to attend to. And the men don't have to do that so they can stay. So the recent study that came out shows that men who work with male supervisors get promoted much quicker than women who work with male supervisors. Again, we have to address okay. these issues of equity. Absolutely. Um, Ms. Shotaminu, uh, the best you get in Nigeria is three months um, pay while you, they call it a maternity leave. You get three months off the job, you still receive your salary, but if you want more time off the job, then it will mean that you won't get paid for, I think, another three months. Um, what do you think that um, we're still playing catch up, especially as we get what's obtainable in London? Absolutely. Thank you for that, for that question. Um, you get up to a year here uh, to maternity leave. And um, the way it is seen here is it's seen as not necessarily taking time off to um, do nothing. It's seen as something very important, an important phase in a woman's life. So as a man would take time off to go for a course, a one-year course, maybe an MBA or a master's degree, and somebody else would fill up that gentleman's place at work whilst he's gone to study because he's going to do something important that would contribute to the organization. So it's seen here that the woman's going off for a year or six months, if she chooses to, to do something important that will contribute actually to her organization because she will come back and be able to add value, added value as a mother, as somebody who's had different experiences, time to rest, time to think, come up with better ideas of how to do things and to contribute effectively to the organization. So it's the way it's being perceived. Here it's perceived as important time um, of value that whatever is learned in that year or six months would contribute to the organization. Uh, just like going away for a six month or one year course to add value to the organization. Wow. Wow. Well, I must have a big thank you, uh, Ms. Shotimudu Dr. Ama. It's been a very fantastic conversation with you. I, I wish we can go on and on, but I think we have to end here and continue um, in the next episode. But I must say um, a very big thank you to both of you. Uh, you're doing a very fantastic job. My two adorable daughters are proud of you. I'm so excited that um, we, we have people speaking for the women folk and making life better for them. I, I believe that it won't take that long, Dr. Amma, 
you, you'll be shocked that we're going to bridge this gap uh, faster than has been postulated. Um, that's our show for today, for this episode. I want to say a big thank you to the list there for um, staying with us. Don't forget that we'll be back same time next week with another exciting edition. I am Nifemi Oguntoe. See you around. This has been a Thinking Reimagined podcast. The executive producer is Dr. Amma. Co-producer Peter Amon Boyle. And it is moderated by Nifemi Okuntoye. The podcast is edited by Nelkan and supervised by Dun Sokwa. Thinking Reimagined emphasizes the importance of transformational conversations which have as their aim the bringing about of the rich diversity of thoughts and most importantly, powerful and applicable effective solutions and change. The views, opinions and contributions of the panelists are exclusively theirs and do not reflect the opinions of thinking reimagined producers or personnel. Thank, Thank you, you for, for listening, listening and, and we, we hope you have enjoyed, enjoyed this episode. episode. We invite you to subscribe to Thinking Reimagined on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play and other outlets. We look forward to presenting another riveting episode next week. Thinking Reimagined podcast is produced by Live Abundantly. We welcome your thoughts and invite you to visit our website livesabundantly.com or you can follow us on social media on Live Abundantly 8. Thinking, Thinking Reimagined, changing, changing the, mindset the mindset for a better global, global society. society.